Welcome to the Key Ministry Podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Boyle. And today I'm joined by a couple of special guests. Robert and Lori Crosby have been in and around the kind of work we do for a long time, focusing on trauma-informed children's and youth ministry. We're delighted to introduce them both to our audience. So stay tuned to listen to my conversation with Robert and Lori. Well, welcome to the Key Ministry Podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Boyle, and today I'm joined by a couple of special guests. Robert and Lori Crosby have been in and around the kind of work we do for a long time, and we're delighted to introduce them both to our audience. So welcome, Robert and Lori. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. And you guys are joining us from California. We're in Southern California. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm sure your weather is a little better than ours today, but anyway, love having technology and the ability to meet folks who are doing important work, no matter where they are, whether it's across the country or across the world, you guys and your work, it's a fairly recent connection to key ministry. And, you know, I've been really excited to see the great stuff that you all are doing through the Reach Hurting Kids Institute. So if you would just spend a few minutes talking a little bit about who you guys are, you know, what's your family like, what's your background, and, you know, what brings you to this conversation today? Okay. Well, um, so like you said, I'm Lori Crosby. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and a registered play therapist supervisor. Um, So I have a private practice and I have been working with children who've experienced trauma for about 15 years now. Wonderful. And uh, right now I'm working as a professor of psychology at California Baptist University here in Riverside, California. Um, Been passionate about children's and youth ministry, basically my whole life started working in kids ministry, but I basically was a kid. Okay. I uh, have had an interesting, yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I've had an interesting journey that's included a lot of different uh, uh, careers in education and um, ministry and then in research more recently. Okay. Well, and I think that's a really interesting combination there. I mean, it, you know, we work with a lot of people who are pastors and, you know, they've always been pastors, you know, they, they jumped right into ministry, you know, in, in college and then beyond, or, you know, even, even earlier than college, but, you know, how did you go, you know, Robert, this is more a you question, but how did Mm -hmm. you go from, you know, university level teaching and research after being a pastor? Because that seems to me a very interesting career path that, you know, is telling a, a cool story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's been a really interesting journey. I, I, like I said, it was really passionate about ministry as a young person and as a young man felt called into the ministry, or at least that was, that was really on my heart. Mm-hmm. And so I had the opportunity to serve as a, a youth pastor, a pastoral intern at my church mm-hmm. and did that for a period of time. And just always found myself really drawn to kids who are struggling, maybe struggling emotionally, struggling with behavior, just kind of hurting in some way around that same time was working my way through school getting a bachelor's degree in psychology at the time, was also working in a special education context with uh, children who were diagnosed as severely emotionally disturbed. And kind of through that journey, I was really drawn into that. And, you know, part of me thought, well, maybe I'll be a special education teacher. Maybe I'll be a child therapist. And and really was trying to walk that line between education and psychology. And I had an advisor at, at school who said, well, why don't you go into educational psychology? 
So I thought, well, that sounds like the perfect blend of both of these. Right. And in actuality, it's, well, it's actually neither. Okay. So it was completely removed from <laughs> both. But yeah, yeah. But but yeah, God was opening these doors in, in really right. clear ways of providing resources and funding and opportunities. So I ended up at the University of California, Riverside in their um, PhD program in educational psychology, which which is basically a, a four-year research and statistics degree. Okay. So I, I took probably a good dozen doctoral research classes and maybe half a dozen statistics courses and uh, really didn't know why. It was kind of an accident. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> But I, I really feel now that, you know, God was guiding me through this journey. Yeah. And uh, throughout this, well, yeah. So it was still involved in ministry in different ways throughout this journey, no longer as, as a job, but in other, in other capacities. And it's got to close that door as I was moving into some of these other areas. I was, we actually, Laura and I both had done missions work, a short-term missions work in Romania with an organization called Every Generation Ministries. Okay. And- we had gone a couple times to work a Hungarian a children's camp out mm-hmm. in that area, uh, but hadn't been super connected. And the the president and vice president of the organization, they said that they had felt led to have uh, lunch with me and we need to get together and have a meeting. And so they reached out sort of completely out of the blue mm-hmm. and said, God put us this on our heart. We need to do this. And we don't know why. Wow. And so they were about a couple, of, uh, about an hour away. So we met up kind of halfway in between. Now, and is this in Romania when this happened? No, they, this is in California. Okay. So the organization's based here, but they work internationally. Okay. And gotcha. they, do, they, they do children's ministry leadership development. Mm-hmm. So okay. we, we met up and they had a, a job posting for a short-term missions director. And they thought, well, this must be why. <laughs> right. And so they pitched this job and I couldn't have been less interested. And, okay. and it wasn't one of those say no to God. And then, you know, no, it, it was just completely off the mark. Okay. So uh, we kind of stared at each other for a few minutes awkwardly, like, I, well, none of us know why we're here. And and so they just started chatting and a lot of their funding came from foundation support. Mm-hmm. And so Daniel had been presenting to a foundation to get funding for the organization. And they said, well, how do you evaluate your, your mission statement? Mm-hmm. Right? If we're going to give resources, we want to know that you're accomplishing what you're setting out to mm-hmm. accomplish. Mm-hmm. And their their mission statement was transforming children in Christ through his church. They said, well, we're, our mission statement is spiritual transformation of children in the church. You can't evaluate that. Right. And they said, we'll come back when you can. Yeah. And Ooh. that was that. And so well, uh, at the charge. time, I was, well, yeah. <laughs> yep. So at the time I was taking a uh, psychometrics class. So basically measurement of psychological constructs that you can't see. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, hold on. That's an interesting challenge. <laughs> and, and that moment really launched what's now been over a decade of research in the field of, of children's mm-hmm. ministry. Mm-hmm. So it really is sort of a ministry of statistics, if you will, applying that and merging all these, these pieces together so that we can learn more about ministry, learn more, more about the way um, God can use us in those contexts and, and let you know, in a really unique way, data drive what we do. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I, I just being totally upfront here, I can't tell you how excited Dr. Gersovich was after we had our initial conversation. I mean, like oh. after we got off the, the phone or af- off the Zoom, he he messaged me and he was so excited because, mm-hmm. because you know, his, his background and, you know, a lot of the the, the people that he works with and his secular job is is so driven by the data and the measurement and all of that. And then you come over to the church world and 
I mean, there's just so little of that for, you know, for what we do, but it, but it is really important to be able to figure out if you're making any progress. I mean, it just, it just is important with so many things in our lives, you know, as individuals and then, you know, in any kind of work that we do. So yeah. And this, this even goes back, I mean, to my early days with key ministry, trying to try to figure out some measures of, of our success or how to, mm-hmm. you know, talk to churches about, you know, what could be seen as measures of success and in, in the different disability or mental health ministries that they were implementing. And, and so I am so excited to learn more about the kind of mm-hmm. research that you guys have done because Churches ought to be excited about it if they know about it. And if they don't know, know about it, they ought to know about it. So I'm so glad that you're coming to DATC to talk about that. All right. So fast forward, you guys have this organization now that you guys work on together, right? Mm-hmm. The Reach right. Learning Kids Institute. Yes. Okay. So tell us a little bit about, you know, I, I assume that that kind of emerged out of all of this work that you were doing and that, you know, God led you directly into, and boy, doesn't he just equip us for things sometimes in such a specific way. So yeah, I'd love to hear more about what you're doing in and through the Reach Hurting Kids Institute. Oh, it's a, a wild story how the Lord just brought this all together, but Robert was um, in 20, it was 2019, right? Mm-hmm. Like flying around the country and even South America and doing this big research study and collecting data and all these stories. And he come back and just share all of these stories of churches who served hurting kids and families well. Mm-hmm. And he, he wrote up all of all the research it's published in academic articles. And we've, we talked about it and, you know, as his wife, I really couldn't even bring myself to read the academic articles because they're <laughs> yeah, they're boring. dry, yeah. little dry. <laughs> Not really. Right. My... I'll start reading them at night and be asleep in like five seconds. Yeah, no yeah. No offense, honey. Love him, <laughs> right? But it was like we need like, and he was like, he couldn't. He was talking like, I can't in the research, in these articles that are getting published, like there's no room for the stories Mm -hmm. that actually matter, the people that participated in the work God was doing in these stories. And so I I really felt the Lord press upon my heart. Like we need to write a book. We, Mm -hmm. these stories need to be out there. We need something tangible that like pastors and children's ministry volunteers can actually read and understand and feel empowered and equipped to come alongside and better serve these families. I was personally in my practice, I was having a lot of my kids who've experienced trauma for many, many reasons. They're getting kicked out of VBS. They're getting kicked out of churches. Like that's not the father heart of God. And I know that's not, that wasn't like the intentionality of the volunteers and the pastors. They weren't equipped. And I was like, I really felt, okay, we got to team up. Mm. We need to do something like the Lord has brought all these pieces together. And Mm -hmm. so we had the book and then basically from the book. Yeah, so came the institute. Well, it really did. So, so the book was something very unique. It was a completely different writing style. So, all the academic stuff is, uh, all the academic language is is gone. Yes. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe maybe freeing, but challenging in a completely different way. You know, it, it well, it's a completely different approach to to what you're trying to accomplish. So, yeah, go ahead. Well, absolutely. So it was 
using all the, all the research is there. We you know talk about different uh, neurological concepts and different psychological theories, but it's in very plain language. It's written mm -hmm. at a seventh grade reading level, mm -hmm. very accessible, very story based. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we're you know gradually getting that out there. It's it's hard to get a book on the radar. There's so yeah, many books. Is. Yeah. But those who have engaged with it have given us tremendously positive feedback. But even then, we kind of hit a, a little bit of a wall. Well, a lot of people don't read books, for one thing. Right. We're still working on the audiobook version. <laughs> uh, but also, this was written for leadership. So the attention mm -hmm. is someone who, you know, maybe it's a lay leader who was very invested. But typically, it's written for leadership, uh, folks who have the ability to make significant changes to the ministry and who are invested enough to, to read a book and put mm -hmm. that time in. Mm -hmm. And so it's very difficult for them to then translate that into to their team. Right. And so they may know what they're trying to do. They may have the vision and leadership now, but how do we, how do we get this to the team in a way that they can use, they can, they can put into practice. We have a common language, common vision. Right. And from there was the idea of creating these workshops. So we call it the Retreating Kids Workshop. Mm -hmm. And we have various modules and they are designed to now equip the team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're putting these together. Laura and I were speaking at different churches. We've been at conferences and, and, and running through these and finding a lot of success. And then we realized, well, now we've hit another wall. And that is, there's only two of us. Now there's other folks talking on this topic. Um, right. Kim Bado comes to mind. She's right. just an incredibly an incredible person, so gifted, so passionate. She does amazing work, but there's only so many people doing this. And most churches can't bring in a speaker. Mm -hmm. They can't send their people to a conference. Most are small and under-resourced, yeah, right. but still really in need of it. Yeah. So absolutely. the next thought was, okay, well, can we do this in a way that they could take their own team through it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we said, well, let's create a self-guided version. It's manualized. So you've got a manual, you have workbooks, you have... Mm -hmm videos and things so they can actually bring their own team through the process in order to equip them without having to bring in an expert. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to get grant funding for this. We've actually gotten several grants through the uh, CCCU Council for Christian Colleges and Universities gave us some funding. We got some through the through our school from the Louisville Institute funded the most recent part of our research. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to develop these things, test them out. Uh, and then, okay, well, now we see that this is working. How do we get this out to the Christian community? And that's where that umbrella came from. So we said so we need sort of a gotcha. um, an organizational face other than it's Robert. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> right. And Lori. And Lori. Right. <laughs> uh, and I'll mention it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of us working together. It's, yes, it's, it's a team. We have an amazing team. We have an amazing team. So we're, we're here speaking today. We'll be at the key ministry conference, but there's others speaking at other conferences. Kayla Smith is someone who's been yeah. huge. She was actually one of the pastors in our study and mm -hmm. she joined the organization and is doing amazing work. But we, we needed sort of a, an umbrella or a face to kind right. of get out there into the community. So when we were at CPC, we have our booth and we're, we're you right. know, doing things like this. We use that so people can recognize the name and kind of know, I, I, for lack of a better word, the brand. Yep, so they exactly. know this is the workshop. This is, this is, you know, quality materials that we can take advantage of. Exactly. You guys have these modules, these workshops, and what you're going to be presenting at DATC 2023 is a pre-ministry intensive. So for the mm -hmm. listener who may not know what that is, Basically, we're offering some things that we think are really important for people who are interested in coming to a conference like DATC. We're offering three of those the afternoon before the conference gets started. 
Lori and Robert are going to be leading one on um, creating trauma-informed children's or youth ministry. Dr. Gersovich and I are going to lead one on mental health ministry. And then we're going to also have Disability Ministry 101 with Doc Hunsley without giving away all the good stuff. Just tell the readers or the listeners, excuse me, a little Mm -hmm. bit about, you know, what this intensive is about and and really who would you like to see attend this? You know, we we know not not every church is going to be able to send somebody, but um, you know, if if there's a ministry leader out there listening, you know, who from their church, you know, should be thinking about coming to this intensive? Well, that's a well, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. We'll be pulling from uh, multiple of our workshops, our, our modules. We pulling that together to create the intensive. So mm-hmm. it's something that's engaging. It's interactive. It's very very practical. And awesome. the purpose is to help folks develop a trauma informed children's or youth ministry. Mm-hmm. So what that means is there's a recognition, a realization of the widespread impact of trauma. Mm-hmm. This is out there. Here's how it's affecting kids. Learning to recognize the signs and symptoms which is something a lot of people struggle with. They misinterpret behavior. And that leads to a lot of the problems we're talking about, children being excluded from ministries. And then learning to respond to those behaviors in a way that helps the kids heal and succeed. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is going to really, I think, speak to any ministry that's working deliberately with maybe a a challenge, maybe an at-risk community. Maybe there's children from the Mm -hmm. community from a low, low low-income area who are coming in. Maybe there's an abusive background, foster adoption ministries, right? anything like that. There could be ministries that have behavior issues. So maybe they're not aware necessarily of a trauma situation, but they're struggling with maybe particular kids or even groups as a whole who aren't doing well. Right. So those are things that are going to resonate, but honestly, I mean, not to be cliche, but it really is for everyone. everyone. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, whether we realize it or not, we're all working with kids who've experienced trauma or we're all working with kids who are hurting in some capacity. Yes. You know, if you look at, I mean, the data are are shocking. If you look at suicide in kids over the past few years, suicide attempts by kids aged 10 to 12 have increased 450%. Suicide (laughs) is, it's the second leading cause of death for kids between 10 and 14. Yeah, they should. I mean, they're barely even getting into life. They shouldn't be thinking about ending their lives. You know, it's but that's exactly where they're at. Then, it well, is. absolutely. And, and we add to the situation, the COVID-19 pandemic and the lockdowns right. that came along with that really universally traumatizing pretty much the entire Everybody. generation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and so the data from across the world, there's been um, meta meta analyses of this, looking at mm-hmm. studies from different countries and fairly universally looking at children and adolescents, mm-hmm. uh, clinical levels of anxiety and depression in kids have doubled. Yeah. So now uh, yeah. globally speaking, one in five kids have clinical levels of anxiety and one in four have clinical levels of depression. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a ministry with 10 kids, you can, you know, all, be all but guaranteed that you've got someone in there who's hurting. There's probably a trauma component, but there's definitely something they're struggling with, even if you don't necessarily see it or they haven't shared something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one thing that we talk about a lot is that behavior is communication. So, you know, maybe the kid doesn't come from a hard place, you know, as you were describing, but, you know, maybe there is something else going on, you know, what we call hidden disabilities or, you know, brain-based 
whether it's a, a mental health kind of issue or it's, you know, more neurological, like, you know, on the high end of the autism spectrum, it really goes a long way for ministry leaders to get some information and equipping about you know, how to recognize what's going on. And you don't, you don't need a diagnosis. You don't need to be a diagnostician, but just having some awareness can really help you have a much better response and approach to working with a kid who, you know, maybe doesn't respond quite the same way that, you know, the larger group does. The research and the statistics that you have focused on for so much of your work, that's a big part of what's going to be talked about in your intensive. That's a huge part of the work that you are doing. It, it is so important in, in terms of informing children's ministry and, and, and really, you know, student and even adult ministry. I mean, we say this all the time. I mean, kids grow up and, and sadly, you know, our, our challenges often grow up with us. And so, so, I mean, it really is helpful for leaders of, of really any age group to have some awareness of these kinds of issues. But why do you, why do you think that this kind of, these kinds of statistics and this kind of information is just now kind of like becoming noticed as to how important it is in children's ministry. You know, we hear, of course, a lot about mental health and, and those kinds of impacts just because of the nature of what we do. But um, but it, it just seems like there is a church-wide awareness that has risen. And, you know, thanks to COVID, mental health challenges that so many kids have and the, and the trauma impacts, you know, did it have to take a dang pandemic for us to get to the point where we pay attention to these things? But I mean, why do you, why do you think, you know, just in your opinion, that the church has been able to just kind of not pay attention to this until recently? Hmm. That's a really good question. Is it just a matter of that it's easier for us to deal with the majority than it is for the minority? There's probably truth in that. And I think like we were talking about earlier too, just the church not having like a full understanding or awareness of just even mental health struggles. I mean, there was mental health struggles before the pandemic for sure. That's right. It's just been super heightened. And so I think sometimes it is overlooked or possibly can be over-spiritualized, brushed off, like right. just pray harder, just not, not understanding like the neurobiology of the brain and how it works and how these, yeah, I mean, how trauma and anxiety and depression really do impact mm-hmm. the person. Right. And you said serving the majority, because again, the church is made up of people and there's we're fallible and yeah, there's only yeah, so much yeah. bandwidth. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, Jesus went after that one. So, you know, we're not, be, we're not about beating up anybody, you know, because sure. sure. again, you know, we know that, as you said, people only have so much bandwidth, but at the same time, you know, that I don't think God wants any child or any person to be a throwaway. I mean, that Absolutely. in my head, that's kind of what I think about, you know, that is with that label, it's, you know, I mean, that's, that's what I heard just hearing the stories of my clients. It was just like, oh, that's not the father heart of God because right. yeah, he goes after. And it was just this powerful, like, okay, we need to help equip the church. Yes. And that's been, that's really, as we've looked at the data, because everything we do is data driven. And so as we've piloted the workshop, we, we survey the, the, the volunteers, we survey the pastors, we collect data longitudinally mm-hmm. over several months. Mm-hmm. And that's really been the most consistent theme mm-hmm. is now they have the tools to keep the kids there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'll hear the yeah, same story 
repeatedly is here's a situation that happened uh, to, to, to a little boy, a little boy is crying. This other kid hit me in the face. Mm-hmm. And they said, normally what it would have been is, okay, let's find the kid that did the hitting. Let's call mom and dad. Let's get him out of here. We'll try right. again next. And right. they had a new approach. They said, okay, well, why don't we calm down the situation? Why don't we have a conversation? Let's just sit down and talk to a child, which was, you know, I would say a new approach, but in a way it was. And they find out that the boys were playing ninja and it was not, it was not on purpose. They were playing and they could explain, well, why this might not be the best game to play in the church. Yeah. And they, you know, they apologize to go through the process and the kids just back in the ministry participating. Yeah. I hear stories like this repeatedly and they'll say, uh, one pastor said, she said, well, normally about twice a week, you know, each weekend, at least once during each service, we'd have to send someone back to their parents. And she says, maybe once or twice a month now. So wow. it didn't solve everything, but it dropped about 90%. Yeah. And it the helps situation. the kids start to develop their own problem solving skills is what I'm hearing too. Well, what absolutely does, right? This oh. is a whole, you know, this is a whole process of learning to coach the kids and respond differently. Mm-hmm. And so this, this is the pattern we see is now they're able to keep the kids in the service and use those behavior issues as a ministry opportunity mm-hmm. rather than is um, a trigger to, to send them away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in addition to the ministry intensive that's on Thursday afternoon, April 27th, mm-hmm. Robert, you're also going to be speaking on Saturday, the 29th, talking um, in a quick take on ministry evaluation, including mm-hmm. sharing some ways that uh, ministry leaders can learn how to actually measure spiritual and relational growth. And as I said at the beginning, I am very interested in hearing about this because you know several years ago, we were really kind of trying to figure out how to quantify some of these things. So again, without giving away your whole presentation, can you share just maybe one example where an evidence-based kind of evaluation really Mm -hmm. helped impact an individual or maybe it was a family or an entire church? Well, absolutely. One of my favorite examples comes out of Santiago. When I was doing research with Every Generation Ministries, we were evaluating their ministry model. And so they are doing team development. It's very relational oriented. And a lot of times they're working in places that are not relational. Okay. And so we we spent time with this ministry and they were an outreach. It's called the happy hour ministry and it's <laughs> <Okay>. not <laughs> the drinks, uh, but it, it, they, uh, the with their model, their, it's kind of a model of church planting is what they would do on Saturday afternoons. There would be happy hour and they would go into communities, maybe a public park or a public square in the city. And they would do children's ministry there, you know, blocks away from the church. And so kids would gradually come and they would do ministry with them. And over time, often these situations, parents would come and eventually that would become a church plant. Um, But they were in the early stages of this and it was hard work. I mean, they had kids coming in from rival gang territories. They had behaviors that were just phenomenally challenging. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of discouragement and they were really working hard. And so we, you know, we, we took surveys, we did assessments. We went through this process like we're talking about, and then they went through their, their development. Uh, through the training development. And they made a lot of structural changes to the ministry, um, a lot more relational focus as I was talking about. Um, it wasn't deliberately trauma-informed, but there were a lot of components that really were right. trauma-informed, even though they didn't use that language. And you know, on Wednesday nights, they would go into, they would pair up and go into the city and visit each child at home, you know, mm-hmm. knock on the door and bring food by or something like that. Um, so it was very hard. And, and they would wonder, you know, am, am I even making a difference? And so as we began to look at the data and, you know, I'm a statistics guy, so we started to quantify things and look at numbers. And what they saw was that there were incredible changes in how the kids felt connected, how they felt uh, loved, 
by adults, mm. how they felt connected to the peers in the group and wow. how they were saying that this is a safe place where I can share feelings. I can share thoughts so people will help me with what I'm going through. Wow. And there were kids that normally, and I could even kind of quantify, well, this is what you would expect with, you know, quote unquote, this type of kid. Mm. And usually a child from that background is going to be very slow to share their feelings. You know, a, you know, a, a tough yeah. kid from a gang area is not going to show up. Let me tell you how sad I feel. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and yet they saw these breakthroughs that were really unusual. And when they wow. saw this, you know, I get to meet with them and sit down face to face and their, you know, their faces lit up and I, wow, I could actually see, you know, quantifiable, measurable impacts of the work we're doing. Wow. And That's it, they, they, amazing. Um, yeah. And the, the analogy I like to use, because um, I think a lot of people have experienced this is, you know, maybe it's New Year's and you decide to get back on that diet and, and get healthy again. And you're, you're working at it and sacrificing and you're on the scale, you don't see anything. And, and then one day you step on the scale and you've lost three pounds. Right. Like, oh, it's working. Yeah, I can, I can do this. And you're sort of motivated to double down on your efforts. And right. that's exactly what would happen with these ministries. It's like, oh, I could actually like physically see the impact over time. And now we can double down, we can figure out what's working, what's not working. And so it really gave them, I think the enthusiasm, the, the passion, the, the vigor to chase that vision uh, and continue to bless that community. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that excitement and that impact. I think that that is a huge part of why people need to come to DATC because, because Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here thinking, Oh my goodness, you know, how can, how can this be implemented? Like in my church community, you know, Mm -hmm. like we, we have this big vision, we have a fairly recent new pastor and yeah, I mean, I just, I'm just hearing so much good stuff here that I want to apply in my own life. Mm -hmm. Um, but anybody who's listening, you know, you have the opportunity to come meet face to face with Robert and Lori and and learn from them. And, you know, whether it's going to the ministry intensive or just signing up for the conference, there there is so much rich content that's going to be available at DATC 2023 this year. So I just, you know, I just really encourage you to, to check this out on the key ministry website. Robert and Lori, thank you so much for your time today. I just, I'm so looking forward to hearing more about your presentation. I, I know I'm going to be tied up while you guys are doing your <laughs> intensive, but but I really look forward to kind of picking your brains and, and just learning from some of your experiences, because I just think it's so incredibly valuable what you're bringing to the ministry table at this time when people are so aware of these needs. And I feel like we're in a, a time of incredible momentum shift forward. Mm. And I just think that, you know, God has uniquely equipped you guys to do something that's really important to help just propel the ministry work that we all do forward. So really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. Interested in the meantime, uh, we do have a website up, which is uh, Mm reachhurtingkids.com. The book is on Amazon, Trauma-Informed Children's Ministry, A Practical Guide to Reaching Hurting Kids, and the workshop materials and other information is on the website as well. So we'd encourage anyone who's interested to check it out. They can contact us in the meantime, and we'd be thrilled to talk to them at the the conference. Okay. And we'll put all those links in the show notes. So if you're listening, it'll be in our transcripts. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, If you're listening you know, go to the key ministry website, check out DATC 2023 and the top banner um, on, and you'll find all the information about the conference and where you can register for the key ministry team. I'm Catherine Boyle. Thanks so much for listening to the key ministry podcast. Thanks so much for joining me on today's podcast. 
And speaking personally, I'm really looking forward to learning from the Crosbys at DATC 2023, that last weekend of April, 2023. Again, Lori and Robert will be presenting one of our ministry intensives the afternoon before DATC officially starts on April 27th. So I encourage you to check out their ministry intensive and sign up as well as all of the other content that will be available at DATC 2023 on the Key Ministry website. And if you're listening after the conference weekend has passed, I encourage you to visit the links in the show notes where you can learn more about the work of Robert and Lori Crosby. For the entire Key Ministry team, I'm Catherine Boyle. Thanks so much for listening to the Key Ministry Podcast.